you would stand with me. Going to be reading from Hebrews one one, and we'll we'll move from there. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by a Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purifications for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the the majesty on high, having become much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And then Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You may be seated. Do you find it hard to finish what you start? How many of you would say, oh, I've started this project or that project, and it's still going? And maybe your wife would say, it's been three years. Some people are really good at finishing things. Others might struggle a bit. And if you're honest, like when you're thinking about kind of things that go on in our world, I... I I think right now we live in a time where it's really easy to start. I mean, it just is. It's so easy to start something. You can join almost anything in like 30 seconds. You know, like you just get on your phone, subscribe to it, and you can start it. It is so easy to start. And then they'll charge you monthly whether you use it or not. You know? It's just the nature of things. You can start something every day, and you can start it and never finish it, and nobody's going to say anything. In reality, most people don't even know you started it. You may have forgotten you started it. It's just very quick. You're very easy to do that. They have found ways to make it easy for you to get on board or on board. But again, staying the course is another thing. When I was a kid, if you started a season, like with baseball, you finished it. It didn't matter if you didn't like the coach. It didn't matter if you didn't like the players. It didn't matter if you didn't like the opponents. It didn't matter if you didn't like how much you ran. 
It didn't matter if you had gotten on Facebook, which it didn't exist at that time, and ranted about how bad everyone was. Every umpire, every person in authority, every leader of every part of the organization, you finished it. Because once you started, you had to finish. When I didn't want to finish college, my parents came to me, of course, over and over and said, you're going to finish. You've got to finish. You started it. You need to finish it. And I didn't want to finish it. I did not want to stay the course. Why? Why is it so hard to finish? Sometimes we even have to have some enticement to get us through it. I, I just, uh, have you ever said to your kids, like, until you're not going outside, or at least when kids always played outside, you know, you're not going outside until you finish your homework, until you finish picking up your room. Like, if you want a dessert, you've got to finish the meal that has been set before you. It's like these things to help encourage you to move on, to take the next step. And it's difficult. And we do find it hard, because there are all types of distractions that come in. And all of us adults would even say, I do have distractions. You know what? I didn't finish this at the house. I didn't finish the lawn because I had to finish the episode on Netflix. It was calling out to me. I couldn't get the, the, it was in my ears. It just wouldn't go away. I mean, I wanted to mow, but I had to finish that really important thing on, inside. I mean, but the list goes on. The, the phone sometimes just, it almost like hovers over to me and says, like, spend time looking that thing up, thinking through all of that, because it's a great distraction from what you should be doing. Not only are there distractions that are kind of there, there's also just the idea of, I don't want to be uncomfortable, and, you know, I'm tired. I'm just worn out. You don't know how long I've been doing this or that or the other just tired of it i don't want to do it anymore another thing might be say oh I got, yeah the distractions yeah of course i know that i mean i've seen it with my kids at least i, I know that I, I get tired of doing it. the other thing might be like fear could be an issue i don't want to do this uh for instance you've heard a lot about over the last couple of years bullying and it becomes kind of this thing where it's like, I'm not going to press forward because I was bullied once and I don't want to ever walk down that road again. And you get afraid. And, and it, sometimes those are really legit fears. So fears can be things that like cause you not to, be, to finish. Sometimes, again, they're legitimate. Sometimes they're just in our heads. Right? And so we have to kind of work through that. So now here's the other question. What is at stake if you don't finish? Well, if you don't finish your meal, you're probably not going to starve to death, right? It's good to have the disciplines, good to have someone training you in that way. 
if you don't finish your homework, you might get a bad grade on your homework. Not, it is a big deal, but not as big of a deal. If you don't finish your work at the job that you're at, that might be a little bit bigger because eventually you may end up losing your job because you didn't finish the work that was set before you. If you don't finish the Christian race, eternity's at stake. It, you know, there's some things you quit and you're like, well, probably shouldn't have quit that. I was on the one yard line. I didn't know it at the time. I should have had that last carrot on my plate. That would have set the stage for the rest of my life. No, it, it actually is those little things kind of that do that. But, but when we get to, I can onboard so quickly, start so quickly, do so many things so quickly, and then throw them aside. When it comes to the Christian faith, everything's at stake. Right? Your eternity is at stake. You don't stand there and say, you know what, it's okay not to persevere. It's not okay not to persevere in the Christian life. If you don't persevere in the Christian life, if you don't finish the race in the faith, if you stand outside of that, if you walk away from that, he's saying, he's warning them, it's going to cost you everything. What would it be for you to gain the whole world and lose your soul? You can't do that. It's not something you can get on the train and hop off of. Everything is at stake. And he understands that. And he looks at that situation and he says, you are facing a grave danger. You, I know that you're facing difficulties for the cause of Christ. I know some of you are fearful. I know you want to run away. I want know that. I know you're exhausted. I know you're weary. I know you're downtrodden. I know it. But you've got to get a vision of something greater than yourself in this moment. And you have to see it and savor it and keep running. Anna always says, I've just got to take the next step. I've got to take the next step. The next right step. That, that's all you, you say. I, well, I don't know. I just can't. Listen, take the next right step. And that's what he's going to do with them. He's going to talk about the dangers and he's going to press into them and say, listen, take the right steps. Keep moving in the proper direction. Every Christian needs to be challenged to stay the course. In a time period, period where apathy is okay, Christians can't listen to that. That is a worldview that you cannot listen to. It will not bring about good results for the spiritual life that you're cultivating. You can't stay in a state of apathy. We have to strive to run to the end, fixing our eyes on Jesus, 
the author and the perfecter of our faith. Now, I say that so you get in your mind. He wants you to stay the course. Some of you know when you get on the line, you're sprinting out and you're like running so fast, you're looking at everybody beside you and saying, those lazy sluggards, I'm going to run. But then you run out of gas. And he's saying, you can't. You can't. You've got to keep running the race. If you have to crawl, you crawl with your eyes fixed on Jesus. That's what he's saying. And there's days like that. But it's not something we can just easily just set aside. So we start here and we say, I just want you to start thinking about this. Who is he writing to? A lot of times when I'm reading a letter, who's the author? Who are the recipients? And what do I learn about them so that I can navigate through this letter and make sense of it? Because there's some complicated things. There's some things that you just probably don't know that much about or maybe haven't studied that much. Things that I'm going to say, man, I don't know that much about. I haven't studied that much. And so you're going to say, man, he's not very clear. So as we're moving ahead, we just kind of need to put that together. So this is what I think the first thing we kind of have to say about this. He is writing to Christians. The author, which we don't know who he is, is writing to Christians. And you might say, well, aren't there some people? Well, let's say as a primary, he's writing to Christians, if we can just say that. Are there other people mentioned? There's always other people mentioned. Hebrews 2, 3, and 4. It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Spirit distributed. Now, what does that mean? It means that Christ preached the good news. Those who were witnesses of that heard that good news. They brought it to these people. And they heard it, and not only that, they experienced the power of it. So it demonstrates something of like these people have experienced the working of God, on, which is what He does with His people. Hebrews 3.1, Therefore, holy brothers, speaking to them as Christians, you who share in the heavenly calling. What is the heavenly calling? It. When you see someone who is called, it's someone who God has effectively called them so that they've heard and believed. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. So they've experienced the call, the heavenly call, the spirit-empowered call, the word of the gospel has come to them and they have confessed that they believe it. Hebrews 4.2, for the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. What's he saying? There are people that did not believe the message, and by implication, you did. You believed it. Remember, he is speaking to Christians. Persevere to the end. Stay the course. Keep fighting. Keep moving ahead. Do not turn away. 
Strive together for the faith of the gospel. Go forward. And he's writing to people saying, keep pressing on. Hebrews 6, 5, And have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come. They have tasted it and experienced the power of it. 1 Thessalonians 1 speaks of that. We brought the word to you in the power of the Spirit, and you believed it. You accepted it. By God's power, it came alive in you. They were not just words. They were living words for you. So what we're saying is, he wants them to persevere. Who's he writing to? To those he wants to persevere. And what does that mean about them? They had believed and held on to the gospel. Hebrews 6.10, it says that they were serving the saints. They were serving the people of God. You know, that's one of the evidences of who, if you're in Christ, is there this service to the saints? Is there some like someone who says, like, I'm good with Jesus, I don't love God's people? That's not really, those are not, those don't work together. It's like saying, I love God and don't love my neighbor. Those two are, it, they, they run together. They're friends, they're side by side on the track. You don't take one and not the other, they just doesn't work that way. Hebrews 10 32. You endured a hard struggle with sufferings. What, what, so we know they have heard the message. We know they believe the message. We know that the, the power of the age to come has come into their life. We know the Spirit has done this work. We know it's been activated in them. We know that these people have um, served the saints. We know that they have endured suffering. To believing people who have experienced these things. And I think it's just important to say, is that true of you? It doesn't matter if you grew up in church and you've been around all of the things about the church and you could talk about it and you love to like, you know, just say things about it. I'm saying, do you see those things in your lives? Those are those are evidences of grace. You again could be in church your whole life unconverted, never experiencing the power of God, never knowing true repentance and faith, never having a heart to serve the Lord and His people, never being willing to lay down your life in service to those people, that, that you could be unconverted but churched. So do you see that? I mean, I think it's important to note that for you and for me. The goal here is stay the course. He's speaking to Christians now, the question is kind of, what dangers are they facing? That's just, I mean, that's helpful, because you need to know, you say, okay, if you're sitting here today, could you be facing dangers? Are there dangers lurking? Well, I, th I think if you look at this text, you'll probably identify with something here. And you should identify with something. And you should be able to say, man, I, I've been there. I am there. I might be there. I don't know if I'm there. But I know that there are always dangers lurking. As, as a person that has walked with the Lord 
I mean, if you were looking at it and say, well, I've been walking with the Lord for 40 years, I, I would say, what might be the dangers of someone who's walked with God for 40 years? What, what might be those dangers? I remember D.A. Carson's uh, uh, writing about his father saying, uh, he's found in his journal, Lord, help me beware of the sins of old men. In the same way, I say, beware of the sins of young men. Beware of the sins of old men. Beware of sin. And, and realize that just because you've, you, at one time, you can tell stories about the old days of, of, I remember when we had this person come and that person come and I heard this and I went here and I did that. That's all in the past. That is all in the past. And, and your, your race is now. It, it's not, it's not a, a race of you looking behind you. Have you ever tried to run a race with your head back looking back? Have you ever tried to do that? You're running blind. You don't do that. You ever tried to drive a car with your head like looking back behind you the whole time? How, how does that work? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so he's saying, listen, there are dangers I need you to know about regardless of your how long you've been around this stuff, you know? Hebrews 3.12, and we're not going to look up all these verses. I just, you can write them down, go back and look at them. There's the danger of unbelief. Hebrews 3.13, the danger of being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Have y'all ever heard of someone having a heart attack that didn't know it was coming? Yes. Had they known it was coming, they wouldn't have eaten that chicken fried steak the night before. No. I remember not too long ago, this guy comes in, Ann and I were sitting there, we're about to eat at a restaurant with the whole family. He walks in over, and he's like uh, talking to his buddy. He was like, yeah, I just got out of the hospital, had a triple bypass this week. You know, about to sit down to this place that just like didn't feel like triple bypass type place, you know, at the moment. And I'm thinking like, we were just looking at each other like, mm, really? You know, like give me that 42-ounce steak, you know. Just had the triple bypass. But he didn't know it was coming. When I was maybe 11, I think it was 1988, my grandfather got back from the doctor or came back from the doctor, entered into his house, is sitting there saying, the doctor gave me a clean bill of health. He's talking to my aunt, and when he speaks to her, he's saying, boy, I feel really dizzy, and he falls over and dies. Did he know? Did he know that was coming? Sometimes I think in the hardening, just like in the hardening of an artery, you don't know it's happening. You don't know it's happening. And all of us can struggle with that in some way or another. Hebrews 5.11, the danger of becoming dull of hearing. Have y'all ever met somebody that's losing their hearing? And you're like, they're going, what'd you say? What'd you say? And you're like, well, I didn't say it that loud, but what I said was, right? And you're saying, like, they don't know that they're losing that. It's, it's just, 
It's gradually happening. The danger of forsaking the assembly, Hebrews 10.25. I do think the more mobile we get, the more free we get to go and do whatever we want to do, the more capable we are of doing and, and going and all of that stuff, it, it can become like we're not, we don't really have to gather with the church, but the reality is, is forsaking the assembly together as a church has negative consequences on us. You can say, well, no, it doesn't. We're like, well, evidently it does. It had negative consequences for these people. The danger of throwing away your confidence, Hebrews 10.35. Have you ever thrown anything away that you didn't mean to throw away? Ah. It's like, I, I don't know, I was just cleaning everything up and it just got stuck in there. I don't know where it went. Well, we probably know where it went. It went out on the curb and then it went to the dump. That's where it went, right? And so we have to say, like, hold on just a second. What happens? There's a lot of things that are going on here where they wake up one day and their confidence begins to wane. Over time, their confidence in the Lord, it's just not where it was at one time. You know, sometimes you maybe play the sport for a long period of time, and, and when you, like, go back, you kind of start out, and you're like, man, I'm rusty, confidence not there. Then I start working it. I start doing a little bit more, a little bit more. Maybe I'm hitting the ball. If I'm playing baseball and I'm hitting the ball, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, my goodness, I'm back in the sweet spot. You know, and I'm like, man, I can, like, I'm going for the fence, you know, or whatever you might say. But I just think it's important to say, like, you don't want to throw that away. The danger of growing weary and losing heart, Hebrews 12, 3. <clears throat> you ever been worn out? Like, really tired? I think of uh, Elijah after all the think battles he faced. He's exhausted. Okay, so let's keep moving here. The danger of not listening, Hebrews 12, 25. There are some people, <clears throat> I mean, you, you could tell them and tell them and tell them. They are not listening. They, they're almost, they're either glazed over or uh, they already have it all figured out. They know it all. They understand it all. It's like I had the guy... I always joke about it, but like, remember the Left Behind series? This guy comes in one week. He's like, I've been studying the end times. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I just finished the Left Behind series. And I was like, and he was like, I think I've got all that figured out. And I was like, get out of here, man. Like, don't mess with me. But it's like, uh, uh, but the, the whole deal of like not being able to, to really hear and listen and, and understand or want to. The danger of being carried away by strange teaching, Hebrews 13, 9. And then Hebrews 13, 17, where it's rebelling against your leaders. It's just a danger there, both actively or passively. I mean, those could both happen. He's just saying, here's the da here's dangers. You think you're okay, but the problem is a lot of this stuff is not something you always see well. You just don't always see it. It's not always coming to the forefront. 
of your mind. You just can't see it. So he's speaking to Christians, speaking to Christians about dangers that they are facing. In a way, it's like if you were, uh, you go to the physician and he sits down and he runs a bunch of tests. He's like doing all this blood test and this test and that test and they do a scan and then they go back and do this and they go through this whole like gamut of tests and they set you down and say, okay, I'm going to diagnose you. You got this, 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 this. And they lay it out. And you're like, please, just don't tell me. Fix it. Help me fix it. Just, I, I almost am one of those people like, don't tell me anything. Just, what do we do to fix it? I don't want to be all stressed out about it. Just help me. But he's got to get them to a place to where they realize there's some spiritual symptoms and ailments that are there that need to be addressed and if he doesn't tell them that they're going to be like i don't need a physician why am i even here so what does he tell them to do you ready y'all hanging with me hebrews 3 6 But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. So what does he say? Hold fast. Hebrews 4.14 Since we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Hebrews 4.16, let us then with confidence draw near. It's the picture of holding fast. It's holding on. It's, it's gripping these things. Hebrews 10.22 and 23, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance. With our hearts sprinkled clean from all e evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. So what he's saying is, you are believers. You have some spiritual issues. You are in danger. You may not know it, but the, I see these things. I've been through and thought through the things going on in your life or in the life of this body, and I'm saying, like, here are some symptoms of some deeper issues going on and then he says but i'm not going to leave you without a remedy hold fast hold fast to the confession hold fast to the thing that i've laid out before you hold fast to christ the son of god the great high priest hold fast to the one that has rescued us who has brought purification to us he says in 1036 for you have a need of endurance you you need that you got to hold on to the promise you're in, you've got to endure you've got to push on you've got to move forward and then in hebrews 11 he says you want to think about endurance look at all these old testament saints who were holding fast to the promises. 
you have something greater than them. So hold fast. What they say in part or see in part, you're seeing in full. All those promises made to them found their fulfillment in Christ, and you've seen him there, perfect, crucified, buried, rose again from the grave, ascended into heaven, and interceding on your behalf. Hold fast. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the, sh the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So what is he saying? Let us run with endurance, considering Jesus, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So he's writing to believers whose symptoms he has put on display. Then he comes with a remedy, and he says, listen, you have to endure, and you have to endure as you look to Jesus, as you're striving together with him in mind, seeing him, the author and perfecter of your faith, and seeing his faithfulness, follow after him. He is the trailblazer, you see the trail, go with him. Now you say, If you could just quickly tell me what is the foundation, and then I'll be done. What is the foundation of this hope? This holding fast, these promises? In Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, we see Jesus de uh, depicted for us in a very clear way as ushering in these last days. That's what you see. He is ushering in. He's inaugurated the new covenant. He's opened uh, our eyes to see and understand and grasp and secured for us uh, this, this, uh, the fullness of God's plan for the ages are bound up in Him. It's on display. He's ushered that in. And now, since we have been a part, now we're brought into this new age, we should hold fast. He's brought in us into the age to come while at the same time we're living in this present age and so what we have to say is i'm going to hold fast because jesus has brought this in he's ushered in he sent his spirit that we've been awakened by it uh he has rescued us delivered us from the present darkness and he has ushered in a greater way and we're going to lay that out the other thing is is just say that why aren't we holding fast what's the grounds for that well, what Jesus did for us, he is the great high priest who was the final sacrifice who presently makes intercession for us. And so we have come into this new day. This new day has dawned, and we get to experience that. And now we understand that we are following a high priest who is the final sacrifice. We can hold fast to that. It is something we should hold fast to. Hebrews 7, 23 and 20 through 25, he lays that out. He says there's all these other prophets, I mean these uh, 
All these priests that came before, they had to make sacrifices for their own sins. They kept dying. But you have a priest that holds his priesthood permanently. He will forever hold his priesthood permanently. And not only that, Hebrews 7, 26-27 says that he, uh, not like the priest before who offered sacrifices daily, he offered himself once for all. Hold fast. Hold fast to that confession. You want to think about or consider whether you have access to God? Hold fast to Christ. He has ushered in this way, this, this greater way. He has truly dealt with our sins. He has entered into the holy place. He is accepted of God. He is there now interceding on our behalf. Hold fast. When you're struggling and you're battling with all different types of things, it says, the scripture says in Hebrews 4, he is the merciful and faithful high priest who, has, who, who is always there willing to hear us. We can go to him. There's not a moment where you could say, well, I can't enter into the throne of God and find mercy in my time of need. There's never a time that we would say that. There's never a time where you could say, I can't ask the Lord to, to, to draw near to me. I, I can't say that any longer. I'm not limited any longer to like once a year, this high priest that was going to make sacrifices for his own sins could go in and deal with my sin. Jesus has already dealt with them and I can hold fast to that, hold firm to that. There, there's not a problem that comes that you're facing today or will ever face where you do not have a high priest who is interceding and has opened the door for you to come and make your request known. Hold fast to the end. You see, in this congregation, there are people coming and trying to draw them back into Judaism, and they are not to do that. They must hold fast. So, what do you do? What does it mean to hold fast? Just make that real clear. It's fixing your eyes on Jesus. It is trusting Him. It is putting your hope in Him. It is setting your eyes upon Him as the author and perfecter of your faith, as the eternal Son of God who became man, who willingly offered Himself. He entered into the holy place and now has made a way for you to be restored to God. Hold fast to him he's writing to christians christians with problems he says to those christians hold fast and then he grounds it in these truths that the eternal son of god the great high priest offered himself once and for all so that they might enter into the presence of god and experience his blessing forevermore hold fast stand firm finish by fixing your eyes upon jesus looking full into his wonderful face and allow the things of this earth to grow strangely dim in the light of his glorious grace. Hold fast. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for wisdom to see and to savor Christ and his kingdom and his glory. To see and savor savor the one who has come who has ushered in the age to come 
who has allowed us to enter into the holy place to experience blessing, who has sent the Spirit now as a taste of what we are going to experience in the future. Lord, let us hold fast to that truth. In Christ's name, amen.